Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, Oxford University, and Kantar, the data insights and consulting company. In each episode, we speak to industry leaders about the big issues in marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. This episode was recorded. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Recorded live at Cannes Lions in June 2019. I'm Jane Osler, Global Head of Media, Insights Division of Cantor. I'm Felipe Tomas, Professor of Marketing at Said Business School. Our guest today is Grant Gudgel, who's Head of Teed Studio. So welcome, Grant. Thank you. Happy to be here. Great. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your role at Teeds? It sounds very creative and very forward-thinking. <laughs> I don't know about forward-thinking, but uh, we try. Uh, so I run Teeds Studio. Teeds Studio is the creative strategy design uh, engineering team at Teeds. Essentially what we do is we work with clients who have assets they've developed for other types of channels, and we help them to adapt those assets into versions that are going to perform better inside of Teeds Media, particularly on mobile. That can look like taking a TV commercial and building interactive animated display units from it. It can be taking, we've gone so far as taking print units and building animations around print creative. Uh, And then it goes into product innovation. So we'll talk probably later about AR. Uh, We've built things like AR units. We launched a few years ago the first uh, ad units that enabled chatbots, things like that. So uh, really trying to listen to what brands are looking for outside of the box and propose solutions that are unique for them and uh, and new to the market. In that space, it sounds like communication would be somewhat crucial, right? So how do you bridge the gap between its creative and media teams in your efforts to deliver more effective campaigns? It's a great question. I, I view our role and the Teed Studio team's role as essentially that. I mean, I think that part of the impetus for creating Teed Studio at Teeds was that we are a media technology company. Mm-hmm. And something we noticed quite often was there was this disconnect between the media buying teams who were leveraging our, our inventory and the creative that was being sent to us. Oftentimes, particularly in digital Um, just because of the nature of the process of putting a campaign live, we're going to be receiving assets that are going live maybe 24 hours before, maybe hours before they're supposed to go live. And so we saw this need, though, to be able to help optimize and tweak those creatives to get the most performance we could out of them inside of the the in-read environment. 
there's a, an interesting stat from a, from a study that, that we did with a, another partner, which, was, which basically showed that about two-thirds of effectiveness in digital uh, was driven by the quality of the creative. You know, I identify myself as a media person, and I work with media people all the time, particularly on the programmatic side. And we like to think that we have all of these levers and buttons that we can pull. But at the end of the day, that research showed us that we can do all the right things, but still only have an impact on one third of the potential lift that we could have. So at Teeds, we see the creative, the ability to adapt creative on the fly as something that's really critical to help get the most performance for our clients that we can, whether it's for an awareness campaign or lower down the funnel. So I, I would say that in terms of, uh, so a lot of times our role on the Teed Studio side becomes as kind of almost like interpreters between the media teams and the creative teams that we work with. So we'll talk to a media team who's like, hey, we want to buy all of this mobile inventory with you. And our first question to them is, okay, if we're going to be doing creative optimizations, put us in a room with the creative agency and we'll help bridge that gap. Because oftentimes they're kind of talking past each other. The priorities for the media team are not necessarily the same priorities have been set out for the creative team. Uh, having somebody as a third party in the room who can give advice on best practice, help translate what the creatives are saying into media speak and vice versa, has been really valuable, I think, for our clients and then also for us as a business. So Camtar's done quite a bit of evaluation work for campaigns um, on Teeds and some projects that we've worked on are measuring things that haven't really been done before. You mentioned augmented reality. I think we've just done a project on that. And, and chatbots, we've worked on some of those as well. So how important is it for you to innovate? And is that part of your role, to innovate in new formats? Uh, it's certainly part of the Teeds Studio role. We work really closely with the Teeds product team. So that goes for format innovation, like the AR units that we've done, like the chatbots. It also goes into... Uh, things like how we're using data to inform creative. As far as AR and chatbots are concerned, it's, uh, it's something that we've been in market with for not that long of a time, but we're one of the only platforms out there where you can run an AR experience in browser via an ad. So uh, we've actually, I mean, you have probably seen some of the results of those. Uh, we've seen actually really great results with those types of executions. They're very highly engaging units, and it's something that uh, we're seeing big brands really lean into. We've got a number of pitches out for holiday campaigns in particular using uh, those AR technologies. And uh, I think that the user response really speaks for itself in terms of people's willingness to engage with that type of experience. It's something that they're used to having now, particularly if they're using some of the walled garden social platforms, but being able to run that inside of premium editorial inventory across the, the web is, uh, is a great way for brands to scale those experiences outside of a closed environment where, frankly, certain segments of the population are not active. So it's a, it's a great way to get additional scale for those types of uh, executions. And we do know that Gen Z, for example, younger audiences do enjoy formats that give them some element of control over what they're doing, whether they can move around, interact with it, skip or, you know, have a chat, whatever those things are. Is that something you're committed to doing more of? Yeah, I mean, it actually, I think, informs our entire like format product strategy. It's funny. So Teeds started as most people know Teeds is like premium video at scale was our pitch when the company was started in 2011. Since then, or back in 2017, we decided to launch a display suite of products, which was kind of funny because who was launching display products in 2017? It was kind of has been, right? But we had a lot of clients who were saying, we love your inventory and we would like to run uh, these display units in, in those slots. 
And that started out with taking just 300 by 250s and dropping them in. But we're like, we could do something. We, we have a lot more control over the player and over what's happening in that, in that slot. So we launched what we call our viewable display suite, which the entire kind of driving principle behind it was, how do we take the natural interactions that a user is having with their mobile device and use that to give them some sort of control over the ad? So like a very specific example of that would be a unit that we call a flow. This is a unit that uh, essentially animates on scroll. So as the user is scrolling up the page, as the, as the slot, as the ad unit comes into view, it's going to cycle through up to 36 frames or images. So those can be static images. So it could cycle through a bunch of product images. But where we see the most success is we'll take like hero shots from video assets and use about three seconds of video, so about 36 frames, to animate through. So things like having... You know, we did one, we've done one for Dior where we have Jennifer Lawrence. She looks straight back into the camera, turning her head as you scroll up. It's very eye-catching. I mean, even psychologically, when somebody were programmed, when somebody makes eye contact with you to be drawn in, uh, those types of executions perform really well in terms of user engagement. We'll actually see people playing with those kinds of uh, units over and over. So it's kind of gamification of advertising. Yeah, yeah, it's giving the user control over the user experience. And I think that's surprising because I think people are so used to ad experiences where they're just being talked at, giving them control over a player and giving them the ability to actually animate the thing or using drag and drop functionality to allow them to see different uh, you know, clothing styles from a retailer or things like that. It's something that's a little bit different. It's something that's surprising. And it's something that we actually get very high engagement rates with because it's new and it's something that, that users are, are drawn to. Calling back a little bit to, you said your role as a translator, mm -hmm. specifically on the things that you just mentioned. Do you find some resistance or reactance to either team to engage with these new ideas or is there a, this disruptive mindset that you find, or is there a characteristic of these teams that helps you adopt some of these new ideas and actually introduce something new into the market? That's a great question. I think that at the most basic, it really depends upon the team. It depends upon the culture of the organization that we're working with. Generally speaking, in the majority of cases, we are viewed very positively both on the media and the creative side. For, for one thing, we're kind of a... We're kind of a, a neutral party in that conversation. Uh, we're, I mean, I'm, my team is not even there necessarily to sell media. So we're not even in a sales role. We're there to share best practices, share research, make proactive proposals. And with Teeds, we're doing that as added value to media. So it's something that it's almost a no-brainer for both teams. From the media team's perspective, it's, hey, they're going to help us, you know, get a few extra points of, of video completion rate or whatever the metric that they're going after is. Uh, from the creative side... I think that the creative teams, it's a lot of fun to work with them, particularly on more involved kind of resource type products, because a lot of times I feel like the creative teams feel like they're siloed or sitting in this little bubble. They push out creative work. They're under these strict deadlines. They're pushing it out. And oftentimes they don't actually know what happened with it once it went out to into the wild. They don't necessarily see what my team has done to take their work and adapt it. And so by creating these feedback loops between the media side, providing insights back to the creative teams, it's something that's very valuable for them, and we've really seen them uh, lean into it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. All right, so still within that consumer engagement side, then, that you're creating... I have to ask, like, sound on or sound off? Love it. Right? Uh, <laughs> is this just like, uh, are we just revisiting this old, like, uh, vertical versus horizontal? Is that, is that the new question for now? And where do you come out on this question? Most of my work, most of my team's work is, is focusing on mobile and the particularities of a mobile environment. And when we're talking about mobile, we have to say we're talking about a sound off environment in the vast majority of cases. So brands that come in and say, just, you know, put our 15 second TV spot on, it's, it can work and we can get video completes and we can get people to, to engage with the brand and we see actually good brand metrics in the research that we do. We can make it work better though. One of the things, we did some research last year looking at things like basically comparing across, I think it was like 160 different pieces of creative we did a sound on version, a sound off version, no captions, no subtitles, sound off captions, sound off subtitles. And what we found was there was a big difference between sound on and sound off, obviously. There's not that big of difference in terms of uh, even brand metrics when we look at sound on versus light captions. So we were working with, uh, with a, a CPG brand this morning here in Cannes on uh, adapting some of their TV ads into these mobile units. And what we ended up coming up with was they have these really key kind of pieces of messaging around their brand identity that are called out in the voiceover in this TV commercial. Instead of just subtitling that, which is kind of boring, we were able to take out those keywords, uh, you know, authenticity, uh, freshness, et cetera, and animate those into the video spot, uh, not as actual parts of the video, but actually is overlays. So things that come in feel, look and feel very native to the video content, but give the user context inside of an, a sound off environment. Uh, and that's something that we've seen a lot of success with. It's actually, it's almost a hygiene factor. It's something that we recommend to brands across the board. If you're running these videos on mobile and there's a heavy like storytelling element to it, let's call out the key concepts without going full subtitle and, uh, and give people something that they can actually have some additional context to the images that they're seeing. So on a similar note, I couldn't leave you off without the sound question. Mm -hmm. I can't not ask about AI, right? So what does that mean to you? How does it impact what you do? And how does Teeds kind of employ AI in this world? How far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Oh, God. <laughs> I have the whole... I'll have all the time. But Amazing. Well, maybe maybe over drinks. Uh, so I'll try to give the I'll try to give the quick version of this because it's a it's obviously a big topic for us. I think that AI is such a it's such a weird topic right now because on one hand there are there are brands and companies that are doing really amazing things with AI. It's also an amazing buzzword to get invited to do podcasts and, and sit on panels. So I think that our main focus uh, has really been to build technologies that serve the brands that we work with 
using machine learning, and we have a machine learning team that actually sits in Montpellier, France, who are excellent. It started for us, uh, can I tell kind of just the backstory of how we started developing AI? Because it's, it's been kind of a progression. So Teed's kind of foray into AI-driven or machine learning-driven products started uh, almost a little bit selfishly. Uh, our original business model was around a cost per completed view. So we were selling completed video views. And we noticed that there were some contexts and some scenarios where we had a higher completion rate. So we built a machine learning algorithm uh, several years ago now, uh, specifically internally, we called it the Teeds Buying Engine, that was designed to analyze, I think it was 26 different dimensions of user behavior, time of day, page level data, et cetera. And based on that, make predictions about the probability that a given user and a given impression was gonna complete a video and then optimize towards serving those impressions, okay? It's a pretty simple, it's a pretty simple thing. Well, it's a complex piece of machine learning, <laughs> but so it's an elegant solution to a simple problem. So we built this originally for optimizing towards video completion rate, but then what we noticed was we can apply that same algorithm and those same technologies to other applications. So one of the, the big areas of focus for us this year is tying those optimization engines into the creative side. So one of the things that we do with Teed Studio is we do a lot of like iterative tests. We do a lot of looking at versioning, we do a lot of dynamic creative optimization. Our platform itself is built for dynamic creative. So for those of you who aren't familiar with DCO, it's serving in different types of messaging, copy, product images based on contextual signals. And those can be things like geography, weather, uh, time of day. It can be uh, for Teeds, one of kind of our unique value propositions is because we're inside of editorial content, we actually analyze the context that the user is seeing the ad in. So for example, if somebody's reading an article about planning a ski trip and we've decided to serve them an ad for an SUV, we're probably gonna talk about the four wheel drive rather than the styling in that moment. Uh, in another context, we might serve in different messaging. So when we think about dynamic creative, there are huge applications for AI and dynamic creative. It's a, it's, it's a, so the obvious like application of it is to say, okay, we're just going to feed in 50 different possible lines of copy, 50 different product images, five different CTAs, and 20 different end cards to leave behind after the video is completed and just let the machine run wild. It works. You're, I mean, the machine is going to optimize towards what is performing best against different audiences, different types of user profiles, different contexts. The challenge there is twofold. One, uh, it gets us to like what is working, but it doesn't get us to why it's working. And that we found particularly going back to what we said earlier about bridging the gap between media and creative, being able to go back to our creative team and say, this worked because instead of just this worked is something that's very, very valuable for them and for the brand. We're getting to some fascinating, explainable creative AI. Yes, yes, yes. The second kind of challenge that we see with applying AI to uh, DCO in particular is not that the technologies aren't there to do it. It's that the market isn't quite there yet. There are a lot of brands who are very reticent to, to let a machine start making decisions because ultimately, you know, the, the joke we make is that sometimes, uh, sometimes those machines are going to use logic that defy human logic. So there are a lot of brands that we've talked to about this. They're very interested in it. But once it gets to the legal team and they have to approve that a black box is going to decide what mix of assets to throw together to put in front of uh, live humans is a little bit scary and it's a, it's a big jump for them. 
So what we're seeing today are simpler versions of that where it's still dynamic creative, we're still, still dynamically serving, serving different messages based on signals like context, but it remains a relatively manual process built on decisioning logic rather than uh, you know, multivariate AI analysis. So do you think that there are some categories, some industry categories that are more suited to dynamic versioning than others? Are there some categories where the clients maybe are slightly more advanced or their agencies are thinking a bit more differently and other categories where, you know, they're a bit more old school and, you know, this is experimentation on the edge? So I, I think that today, I like to think of it in terms of the complexity of the product. So an ideal DCO like execution today where we see it used the most are with brands who have mass appeal and need mass reach from a media perspective but have many niches of audiences that they that they should be adapting messaging to the traditional strategy is mass reach mass message this is how do we maintain mass reach? How do we maintain like a large wide reach, but get contextually relevant messaging in front of the right users in the right moment? So if you think about brands like that, what are brands that everybody owns one and it has 50 different product features? There's not that many brands that way. I mean, automotive is obvious and consumer electronics is, is the other big one. Uh, beyond that, we do see applications for it in places like CPG. We had a conversation with, uh, with a beverage brand this morning where they look at it more as a way to either serve contextually relevant like brand stories uh, rather than product features or to test different types of messaging against different types of audiences. But I think that, I think that being able to serve an ad for a product that, you know, I'll take like a, a, a mobile device as an example. We're working on one of these right now. So mobile device... I have multiple ways that I engage with my device, right? I use it for work. I use it to, like, kill time. I use it to talk to my family. I use it for a bunch of different things. I use it to take photos and store memories. Those are all different elements of that product that are important to me. Some of them are more important to me than others. And a brand that's able to speak to me about the elements of that product and how it fits into my life in a contextually relevant way, they're going to win my attention much better than a brand that's just using a mass strategy uh, that may or may not hit the mark. And I think that those are the brands that are, that are becoming the early adopters of these technologies. I'm sure as we continue to see them used more, we're going to find additional applications for the CPG brands of the world as well. All of these topics that we've been covering are very important for this entire media industry, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so how do you see this entire media landscape changing? It's a very... That's a very <laughs> Big question. Uh, I would say, I mean, there are a number of angles that we could take on this, but I, like one word comes to mind, and it's, it's brands and agencies who are able to be agile are the ones who are going to win as things move forward. Brands and particularly agencies who are able to look at other channels, because, you know, oftentimes we're working with major brands, we're working with the branding teams, we're tend to be very upper funnel that we have lower funnel products as well. I think a lot of the methodologies that have been happening in spaces like direct to consumer brands, uh, performance marketing, et cetera, those are starting to trickle up the funnel towards awareness. And I think that that is a big change from the traditional, you know, a model and a, a kind of operational process that is still a holdover from the days of big TV 
we're in a we're in a multi-channel environment and the fact that today creative decision for many major brands is still driven by kind of these considerations around TV creative or hero assets it's i'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing it's just there are more let's say efficient ways of working where you're kind of running back and forth between uh, these like testing type methodologies that Kantar uses and helping those helping use those things to inform uh, some of the higher budget creative. I was talking to a, a, an agency friend earlier today here in Cannes um, where we were talking about this notion of, and I actually talking with uh, Darren Poole from Kantar yesterday, we talked about this idea that we see brands in the future uh, actually using more like digital metrics that they're seeing in digital environments to help inform creative decisions even for uh, higher budget like TV creative. I think that brands that are able to use those types of insights that are easily accessible and fast in a digital environment to then inform what they're doing on large budget production creates a lot of efficiencies for them and ultimately is going to save the brand's money, or if not save money, it's going to at least help them work much more efficiently and get more bang for their money. You've been listening to Future Proof. For all episodes and more information, visit uk.cantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. Please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released. Thank you.